Well, welcome to Open Life. Uh, that's a promo for our baptism party we're having at the end of the month on September 29th. And if you've never made the decision to be baptized and you know you've accepted to follow Christ, but you've never taken the step to be baptized, we'd love for you to maybe, if you're interested, uh, to maybe choose the 29th to be a time where we come together as a church and we just kind of celebrate what God's doing in your life and that you chose to follow him. And so that's what we're going to be doing on the 29th. And so if you're interested, we'd love for you to just sign um, just make a note on your connection card and that says, I'm interested in being baptized. I actually think it's a checkbox on there. And so we'd love for you um, to do that because we believe that it's just the next natural step after you accept Christ is that you tell people about it and that the people, the body of Christ, the body of believers that we are here get to celebrate with you and have fun and it's a party. And so we uh, like to have fun, which we'll be talking about a little bit later um, in the service today. But I hope you have your DVR set. Um, my game's not till one, so I don't really care about the Seahawks game. So I'm a huge Packers fan, so I'm, I'm not worried about it all. So, um, But I, yeah, I've, like James said, I promise not to give any spoilers. I don't know what the game is going on, so I'm not even going to like guess or make you feel worried. So just be at ease for the next hour, and you can go home and watch it. Um, but So last week we talked about the values of open life and why we have them and what they are. And as a refresher, we talked about three different types of values that you can have. And then we hit on the first two core values of open life. But if you weren't here, if you missed it, the the different types of values we talked about, there are three different ones. The first one is core values. And these are values that are most important and influence all of our decisions. We have to be willing to suffer the consequences when we follow these values. And they dictate the path we take in accomplishing our mission, which at Open Life is people leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. And so when opportunities, decisions, or even trials or hardship come in our path, our core values decide how we go forward in those circumstances. So the next group of values that we have are aspirational values. And these are values that uh, you want to have uh, because you want to grow. Maybe we are not to the point where we can say, yes, this value is what we totally do all the time, but it's an aspirational value because it's something that we want to grow into. It's something that we want to become. It's something that we want to grow more and more with. And so aspiration values can set the tone of where you're going. And finally, we have accidental values. And accidental values are ones that arise within us or within our organization because they happen naturally. Just as the way you live life, these types of values just grow inside of you. And so they can be both positive or negative. And the key about these values is that you want to take the negative ones and get rid of them because they're pulling you back. But if you have positive values that you would just say, we didn't even go to like try and do this, but these values just started coming, you want to grab that value and actually make it a core value because it's something that you're already doing well and it's something that you can grow in even more. And so as a review, but also as a way to kind of frame our talk today, Here's the important things to know about open life. Our mission is people leading people into growing relationship with Jesus. The way we do that is through three, three processes or actions of connecting, serving, and sharing. And uh, then we have our values, which create the culture in which we actually do connect, serve, and share. So the reason we have these values at open life is so that we can connect, serve, and share in a way that our values tell us we need to. So last week, we talked about making Jesus known. We talked about being present in our community. Well, we want to do things. We want to connect, serve, and share that uplifts those values. So for you personally, how do you do this in your life? What would you say, like, your mission is? Do you have a personal mission? 
How do you accomplish that mission? And then what are the core values that create the culture for how you live out your personal mission in your life? Now, I'm not saying that, like, we put all of our mission statements or, like, words on little banners when we put them up here so that people know what we're about when they come in. And so I'm not saying that you have to, like, go and do this at home and put up pictures or put up pictures or put up pictures or posters in your house just saying, well, these are my values and these are what I live by. You don't have to do that. Some people do it, are really artsy and they do it creatively and it actually looks really cool. But I'm not saying you have to do that. But I would say that do people around you, like, see those values? Do they um, notice that you live your life in a missional or a purposeful way? If I had a chance to sit down with your, your children or your coworkers or your neighbors and just ask them a little about the way you live your life, would they be able to tell me that you live a life with a sense of purpose? They should, because that's what we want. As Open Life, as an organization, is that when we interact with people in the community, they know that people in open life, they live their lives for a purpose, for a mission. And we want people to realize that open life is about Jesus and getting more and more people to know him and to grow in their relationship with him. In my life, there came a time where I was really confused. I was struggling with some stuff. A bunch of people in my group of friends and even in my family were dealing with sickness, either with them personally or with their family. Some of their parents were being divorced. Some people were just going through making bad decisions. And so I was at a time in my life where I was confused, not really knowing what, um, what the way I wanted to live my life. And so I had just had a lot of questions. And I just remember being at a point where I just turned to God and said, God, how do you want me to live my life. I need some direction here. I need, like, what am I even going to do? It was when I was, like, 16, so I'm starting to think about, like, college and my future and, like, where I want to go with my life, but I just had no direction. I had, like, okay, exactly what do you, like, I'm the kind of guy, just tell me what you want me to do, and I will do it. You know, if, if it's, like, if it fits my DNA, I will just go, and I'll run after it, and so I was just really asking God, like, what is your will for my life? What do you want me to do, and so in this time of struggle, in this time of trial in my life, I found the verse, um, Psalm 41 through 3, and it really turned into like my life verse or the way that I wanted to live my life in the future. And I kind of want to share it with you. And so it goes like this. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. And so what spoke to me in these verses is that God heard me in my time of need. He was there to encourage me, set me on a straight path, and then get me to a place where I could encourage others and help them in their process of the same one that I was realizing of becoming closer to Jesus. And so in that time, that's kind of where my my mind shifted of where I realized maybe I do need to set up like a personal mission for my life or a set of values that I want to live by. And so for me, the values that became to grow inside of me really dictated the future decisions I want to live. The, the things that, they're not special or anything, but the ones that I really connected with is that I want to serve others. I want to encourage others. And I just want to live life to the full. I don't want to feel like, you know, I have to do this or that to make my life complete, but if I know that I'm living in the will of God, then I know for me, myself, that I'm living a life that is full, a life that is pleasing, and one that I'm fulfilled in. 
And so as I began to live out these personal values, I realized that it became easier to connect with other people with their values as well. Because other people have missions in their life. Other people have goals, desires, things they want to see happen in their life. And as I was beginning to live my values out the way that I knew God wanted me to and the way I was connecting with the mission I felt that God had for me, I was able to connect with other people in a stronger way. And so the same thing happens in this present circumstance where I find myself is with open life. And the same thing can happen for you is if you have a strong personal mission for the way that you want to live your life, if you have a set of values that you want to let dictate your decisions, then you're much more easier to join with the values of open life because you know what living a missional life is. And if you're choosing to follow Christ and be a part of open life's mission to make more and more people grow into or be in a growing relationship with Jesus, it's easier for you to connect with that mission with us. And so the first fill-in on your um, handout today is strong personal values lead to strong organizational values. Open life is like an organization. We're an organization of people going after the same mission. And so when you have better values, strong values in your life, you help have strong values for open life. And so as we talk through the rest of the list of open life's values today, understand that these values are only values because the people that make open life actually live them out. We could say that open life lives to make Jesus known, but if we, us here, don't make Jesus known in our daily lives, then our mission becomes impossible to accomplish. If we say that open life is present with our community, yet the people that make up open life aren't present with their community, with their neighbors, with their friends, then we, we miss something. We miss our mission because we're not living out our values. So how can you help open life lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus? That's the question I want you to think about today, is how can you help fulfill the values to lead to the mission that open life has. The, for review, last week, our first value we talked about was we make Jesus known. It's the number one thing we do. It's something that saturates every action that we want to take, whether it's being in a group, whether it's being in community, whatever it is, we make Jesus known through our lives. And the second value is that we are present with our community. And just like we talked about Jesus how he went to his neighbors, he went to his friends, and he went to people that were called sinners. He went to people who are sick, hurting, and lost. We strive to do that as open life too. We don't want to let people think that they're too far down a road that is wrong, that they can't come to know Jesus. But we want everyone to know that this is a welcome and warm place for them, a safe place for them to come and experience Jesus. And so you're more than welcome to go on to livinglifeopen.com Check out our podcast if you missed last week, um, just to kind of fill in um, the next thing. But we're going to talk about our last four values today. And these are a little bit more aspirational, I would say. Something where we have to keep ourselves in check because it's easy to go have these values, like be not actually what we're doing. But we have to constantly put ourselves and say, no, this is a core value. We have to do it. Like if they're at, even though they're aspirational things that might not be we inclined to do, we have to be diligent enough to do them. And so the first one today um, is we're generous. Considering the needs of others above ourselves is key in experiencing a life that is truly worth living. Going above expectations and meeting the needs of others is a risk we are quick to pursue. We choose to be generous with our time, our talents, and our finances. 
And generosity is something that cannot be forced or contrived. It truly has to be something that works out from the inner depths of our heart. It's really easy to let this value just become about money. And it's, uh, to, it's easy to create an attitude that says, well, this guy on the stage, just really, all he's there for is my money. All he's there for is just to tell me how I can spend my money this way or that way and how I can't spend it the other way. And I would encourage you to just ask yourself, are you a person who holds everything with a closed fist or are you someone who chooses to live your life with an open palm? That just says, God, everything is yours anyway, so just use it how you want it to. Do you hoard your time? How many times within the last month have you used the two words too busy to get out of doing something? I know I do. I say it all the time. Oh, I can't do this. I'm just too busy. How many of you have a secret talent or a gifting in your life that could encourage someone else? I'm talking about people who can like play instruments and be on the worship team. It's something that maybe you grew up playing an instrument, the keyboard, the guitar, and you just haven't done it in a while. And maybe you're looking for a place to do that. We have opportunities for that, but where you can encourage other people. I'm talking about maybe you're really good at like fixing cars or, or doing something like that, and you notice that a neighbor um, is having car trouble. You, well, you could save that person a bundle of money if you just gave him an afternoon and said, hey, I'd love to help you fix your car. Like, just do that. Some people have those skills. I have no skills whatsoever when it comes to cars. My skill of fixing cars is driving into the Toyota dealership and asking them what's wrong with my car and then paying them money. That's my skill, and it's cost me a lot of money uh, within the last couple of weeks. And so I don't know what you can do but you have skills, you have abilities, you have talents. But think of ways that you can actually be generous with those things. You have your time. You can be generous with your time. Your kids are probably starving for your time to be in their lives even more than you already are. You have friends who need encouragement. They're starving for your time to be given to them so that you can encourage them. You need to be encouraged. There's people that you strive or you need encouragement from. And so it's not just about money. It's a lifestyle. A generosity is your heart. It's an attitude. But it also does involve money. Psalm 16, 5 through 6 says, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. When we realize that all good things come from God— and that it really is all his anyway. Our attitude, attitude towards generosity should turn from being closed-fisted to being open-handed. God meets our needs. He sees our desires and gives generously to us. So we too need to be generous to others. Psalm 37, 21 says, The wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give generously. Proverbs eleven twenty four through 28 says, One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another hold, withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. People curse the one who hoards grain, but they pray God's blessing on the one who is willing to sell. Whoever seeks good finds favor, but evil comes to one who searches for it. Those who trust in the riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. Why should we put our hope and trust in our finances or in our income when we should put our hope and trust 
in the one who gives us those things in the first place. My trust and my hope is not in how much money I make, but it's the one I know who's blessed me with a job so that I can make money. And so it's kind of a paradigm shift. It's kind of a philosophy that has to change with us when we're talking about giving, when we're talking about generosity, is that it's all God's anyway. I don't put my trust in my job because my job fails me. People get laid off all the time. But I trust in God because he never fails me and he's always watching out for me. And even though I may go through trials or hardship looking for a job, I know that his plan and his will is on my life so I can walk straight in it. But generosity is risky, but it's a risk worth taking. Generosity can also be strategic. strategic. It doesn't have to be a total risk where you're just throwing your money away. You shouldn't just give to any and every cause, but rather it's important to find direction with your generosity. Open Life practices this by giving 10% of all the money that comes in each week that's undesignated. So like your tithes or anything that you give to Open Life. We practice this by giving 10% of that to strategic partners that we know that aren't going to waste the money that we give. And so if you don't know what those are, uh, you hear a lot about them, but one of them is the Bonnie Lake Food Bank. One of them is Liberty Ridge Elementary. One's Exodus Housing in Summer, which helps um, people who are suffering from domestic de- domestic abuse escape from their situations. Another one's Charity Water. We give money to Charity Water so that people in Africa, and and they're working on India right now, so that they can have clean water and that their whole communities can be transformed to be prosperous. It's amazing. I encourage you to watch like one of their videos to see the real impact just having clean water has on these communities. And then the last one is Convoy of Hope. And they're an organization that comes in when disaster happens, whether it's a hurricane or tornadoes. And they're like the first responders who have food and water and clothing and whatever supplies they need for that. And so we could choose to budget everything that comes in every Sunday and just spend it on like good and noble things. But we choose to be strategically generous with the money that you guys give to Open Life. And the, the model behind this comes from Leviticus. It's from Leviticus 19, 9 through 10. And it says this, When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. And so some people may say this is a, a kind of a bad form of managing your, um, your wealth. But what if you use this as an example of how to budget your actual money? What if instead of spending or budgeting your total income every month so that it's being spent on whatever it is, I mean, good things, but what if you set aside a percent or a certain amount from every paycheck that said, this is just going to be my generosity fund? Now, I encourage you, we believe that tithing is 10%. And so to be, you know, uh, to walk in the will of God, we believe that we give 10% of our income. But generosity is more than that. Jesus, when he spoke and taught uh, the Pharisees when he was on the, uh, when he was on the earth, he always took the commandments of the Old Testament and he grew them into something bigger. And so he took things like, you know, you have the Ten Commandments, don't kill, don't murder, don't uh, commit adultery. But Jesus said, if you, if you even think hate towards your brother, you've killed him. If you've looked lustfully upon a, a woman, you've uh, committed adultery. But sometimes we don't apply that to our money. That Jesus, 
he took things and he just expanded it. It's not a law that says you must give 10%, but 10% is a guide for us to say, God, I'm giving you control of my finances. But then what if God speaks to you and says, oh, I want you to give a little more? That's what generosity is. Generosity is seeing a need in someone's life and you having the supply to meet that need. So rather than picking up every one of your dollars every month and spending it, you have a collection of money specifically set aside to meet a need when it rises. And so I'm not here to tell you how much that is. I I trust you to kind of like let God speak to you uh, an amount, whatever it is. But if you think about it, even if it was just, you said, I'm willing to give up a latte each week. That's like $4 a week times 52 weeks. That's a little over $200. If what if you just said, I'm going to set aside that amount every week and just look for needs in people's lives. So some people, what if it's just taking a friend out to lunch who, who just, you know, needs encouragement? That's generous. That's generosity. Or what if it's someone, a family that you know, just cannot get groceries um, in times where they've been running another job? Will you show up with a hundred of that money and you just say, I'd love to buy you groceries this week? Or you just do it randomly. You give them a Safeway gift card for a hundred dollars. That's generosity. And that's how you strategically are generous with your own money. And that's a way to live out the verse that we read about in Leviticus. But generosity is not about how much we give. It's about how much our heart desires to give. Wherever you're at in the journey, maybe you need to start tithing. Maybe you need to start giving above the tithe. It's the attitude that lies behind it and the heart in which you give. Mark 12, 41 through 44 is a story, and it says this. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were being put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins with only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. The poor widow held her wealth, held her wealth open in her hand when her of all people had the right to hold on to him with a closed fist saying, these are my last two pennies. But she gave them up. And so it's easy to judge a poor person like that for being in a position like that and putting them into a circumstance like that. But how challenging, how challenging is it for us who are rich? Because all of us, we are rich. To have, the atti- to have the attitude she had with her finances. And so you might think I'm crazy for telling you, oh, you know, you're t- asking us to give 10% to the church. You're asking for even more to give generously to other things. And you might think I'm crazy, but I'm a crazy person who does it as well, if that's what you think. I do this every month. Me and Danny, we go through our finances. I'm like a diligent beyond all end to make sure I give the right amount, like 10%. But we also have a set-aside fund where we're just generous to people. We're like, we want to help people need. So whether it's a friend who's going through a divorce and her husband left her, like we want to give to those sorts of things because that person's in need. Whatever it is, to see needs like that, we have the money to do it. But it's only because God gave it to us first and it's his. So we choose to live our lives open-handed rather than close-fisted. And so in the next core value we have at Open Life is that we're uncomplicated. We keep things simple so people have space to do life with those around them and remain present with their community. And so it's easy for churches to fill your schedule with lots of good things so that eventually it comes out to a bad ending. 
And it would be easy for us to schedule a ministry event every other day of the week, every night if we wanted, and those would all be good things. And then set the expectation for all of you to be there each time. And there are churches that do that, and they have church schedules and church bulletins full that are just full from week to week of all the events the church is doing. And that's great if it works for them. But because Open Life is unashamedly devoted to our values and to our mission and living it out, we choose to simplify, simplify things so that people have room to be present with their community on days they are not at Open Life or not participating in a group. So we ask you to come on to Open Life on Sundays. We love to join together. We love it, we love it when you're here. We ask you to join a group. We, want, we feel that that's really important to connect with people outside of just the main service. But we really don't do much more than that as far as like weekly activities. We do events during the year, but we don't try and fill your schedule with stuff because we believe that you have, first, you're busy and you have other nights where you need to be doing stuff. You need that. You have families you need to take care of. But you also have friends in your neighborhood that don't come to open life. And so if we schedule just all this stuff and you're constantly being pulled out of your neighborhoods and out of this, then you're not really being missional with your neighbors. You're not being missional with your friends. And so I remember even a time in my life, even growing up in high school, there would be time I was literally almost at the church every single day, whether it was a worship practice, a youth service, a small group, this or that. My parents never saw me. My friends at school never saw me because I was always at the church. And that was, it was good for me. There were good things that I was doing, but in the end, what good came of it? My friends, I didn't really bring many friends to know Jesus when I was in high school. And so it's like, if that's my main mission, if that's what I want my life to be about, then I failed. But I was doing good things at the same time. That's not what we want at Open Life. And so, but we do want you to show up to events that we do put on, but also see the uncomplicatedness to be able to connect with others outside Open Life as well. We do a few key things every year. And so one of them was a school supply give, which we did about two weeks ago. Or we have the big give coming up in November. We, the, day be, or the week before Thanksgiving, we give out free Thanksgiving meals to people. We love for people to show up to those things because these are the things that we feel like are most important. They connect with our strategic partners. Uh, but we also have Beautify Bonnie Lake. And so I don't know if you saw this on the city, but there's signups for that. It's on the 21st of this month. And it's from 8.30 in the morning until noon. So three and a half hours just to help do a service project in Bonnie Lake, whether it's uh, cleaning up a trail like we did right outside the high school um, or whether it's, you know, I forgot what we did. Cleaning up a trail from the movie theater through that forest is something I did a few years back. But just simple stuff that we just say, you know, this is important enough to us because it's in the community. It fits our mission. It fits our values. But when we do stuff like that, we love for people to do that. And so we choose to be a church uncomplicated. By the way, if you do, if you are interested in Beautify Bonnie Lake, mark that on your connection card and I'll send you a personal email this week uh, with the link to sign up for that on the city. Um, But we choose to be a church uncomplicated so that people can feel welcome and can connect sooner rather than later. We, we saw the baptism video earlier, and we're having that party at the end of this month on September 29th. But I know there are churches out there that would say, if you want to be baptized, then sign up for this class. You're going to have to take it for six weeks so that you make sure you really know what baptism is and that you know what salvation is. But the Bible is clear that 
when you're talking about baptism, there are literally people who would accept Jesus in a moment and that they would be baptized. This says in Acts that people heard Peter's message and they choose to believe and they were baptized that same day. And so when we're talking about baptism, we're not going to make this so complicated to where you really start to question, well, I have to like do all these classes. No, it's uncomplicated because there's some things that just need to be simple. That to, to follow Jesus should not be hard as far as you deciding and then making it part of your lifestyle. Yes, the walk is hard, but the decision in the moment, I'm not going to put something in your way so that you choose not to do it. I want to make it simple so that you say, I want to follow Jesus. How can I be baptized? That's biblical. And so that's what this baptism thing is all about. If you want to be baptized, we trust that you know you're following Jesus and that you want to make a declaration. That's what we're going to trust you with. And so if you want to do that, we'd love for you to be a part of that. Some can become burdened through the complicating of the gospel, setting up stipulations for ways you need to live before you come to know Jesus, turning knowing Jesus into works or things that you do rather than letting the work of the heart come out naturally in your transition of your actions. But Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30, he said, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Coming to know Jesus should provide rest to those who are burdened who are sick, who are tired, who are hungry for something new. Coming to open life and growing in that relationship with Jesus should bring people rest. It shouldn't bring them burdens. It shouldn't bring them a burden to their time or strife or hardship. Being uncomplicated, though, does not make us lazy. Choosing to be uncomplicated means we must be diligent in being purposeful with the time and responsibility we have. The next value is we're genuine. We don't pretend, ignoring the realities of life. We walk through life with each other, embracing both the mess and the good life brings. Listen to this verse in 1 Peter 1 through 9. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can neither, neither, never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. When we choose to follow Jesus, our faith in him leads to an inheritance of salvation, a redemption that leads to eternal life in him. And so Paul continues in verse 6, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, these have come so that, you, so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even through refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for your receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls." We believe that our faith is genuine, and as a result, we must choose to live a genuine life. We embrace trials, we embrace struggle that are going on in people's lives, and, and the longing that they have, and we point to hope, we point to peace, and the love that comes from Jesus. That's where it all comes from. 
Peter says that we will encounter trials of many kinds in our lives, but these trials lead to an authenticity of our faith, a genuineness of our faith that says we can go forward and that we can make Jesus known. And so we could come up here every Sunday and put on a fake smile and just say, everything's a-okay. Once you choose to follow Jesus, it's all roses from there on out, and your life is going to be perfect, and you're never going to have to deal with anything. But we'd be lying to you. We'd be lying to you. We choose to be genuine because we know that on one hand, someone on this side of the room could be having an awesome time in their life. They could be having great success in their job. They could be fulfilling their mission and they just feel awesome. But on the other side, you have someone over here who's going through family crisis, who has a sickness in their life, in their family, and they just feel like life has given them a raw deal. Well, Jesus is the constant for both of those people. And so we choose to be genuine, to celebrate with the person who is celebrating and to mourn and to encourage the person that is hurting on this side. So we are genuine. We try to be genuine. We can't come up here with a fake face or a fake smile and say everything's fine. We are real people with real struggles in our lives, but we also really follow Jesus in all that we do. And we point to him and say he's the answer. He's our hope. He's the truth. And he's what we're living for. And so finally, the last one is we're fun. We intentionally and intuitively create a culture of fun in order to love life to the full. And so it sounds really simple. And honestly, when I was like looking in the Bible, trying to like figure out how to explain this in a biblical way, you find that fun, the word fun is not really in the Bible all that often. Actually, in the translation I was using, it's only in there once. And it's not necessarily in a good aspect of it. But the word fun, yet at Open Life, it's as part of what we want to do. We want to have fun. If it's not fun, then it's not worth doing. The closest thing to fun in the Bible would be the word joy, but joy is in there a lot. And the truth of the matter is that joyful people have a lot more fun than people who are not joyful. We're fun because we don't want to take ourselves too seriously that we miss God-given moments to have joy, to have time to connect with others, to laugh, to live life. And joy is a gift that sometimes comes naturally, Sometimes it's something that we have to work for, and it comes out in my life a lot of times as an aspirational value. I want, I want to have fun, but sometimes my struggles and things that I'm dealing with or circumstances, they get me down. But I want to aspire to have fun at any moment, to be able to say, I'm, I'm going to take this lighthearted, God. I'm going to live with the joy that you give me. Fun is celebrating with others. Fun is people coming to know Jesus Fun is being baptized. Fun is like worshiping together. Fun has to be open life. And open life lives and strives to have fun. And so some people don't value fun. Just look at their faces when they walk around. They're like grouches. They frown all the time. But fun has to be what we live our lives by. It has to be a value that says, I'm going to choose to find the best of a situation and learn to have a smile on my face. Not a fake one that's just going to show everyone, I'm fine, I'm fine, I don't need your help. But just a smile that says, I'm searching for the joy that only Jesus gives. I'm going to choose to have a good attitude and be joyful and have fun in this situation. Paul says it like this in two verses. In Romans 15, 13, he says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that it may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Joy comes from God, and it's okay to have fun as we pursue our mission together. 
The next one, Galatians 5, 22 through 23, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such, such things there is no law. There is no law against smiling. There's no law against laughing with each other. There's no law against having fun. But you realize it has to be genuine. It can't just be something we concoct or we, we make that is not real. We choose to be fun because the alternate is choosing to be angry or bitter or choosing to be negative. We're fun because our salvation gives us the hope to have fun in situations that aren't always fun. We choose to be joyful in those situations. And so my conclusion for today is that we would walk out of here and just realize how valuable our values are to open life and that they're purposely written down for a reason. They're purposely listed as you walk in because we want people to know what are the core values that, that this place lives by. And so people are going to walk in here, if they read those and they come and sit down, they're either going to know within a moment whether those are actually the values that we live by. When you write them down and when you place them in front of you, you're saying these are what we are letting ourselves be dictated by. If we don't do these, then there's correction that has to be made. And so I'm not saying that in a year, in two years or whatever, those values are still going to be there. Maybe there's something that we change around or we say, no, it needs to be different. But right now, these are our core values and these are the ones we want to live by. We want to aspire to have fun in all we do. We want to grow. We want to run at these values because we believe our mission is important and this is the best way to create the culture that we want to be able to fulfill our mission. And so my question is really, will you join us? Will you have fun with us? Will you be real with us? Will you uncomplicate things with us? Will you be generous with us? Will you be present with your friends and invite us? Will you make Jesus known with us? Because I could come up here and we could say open life does all these things, but if no one at open life does these things and they're not true, then we're not fulfilling our mission. And so to be missional, you have to live your life in a missional way. You have to make decisions that are dictated by a set of values. And so will you join us? Will you help us? And so this week, I want you to think about try reinforcing or creating a set of values for your life of mission for your life on how you want to live going forward. Because the key to joining with a mission of other people, a larger group, is to make sure that you're living missionally with your own. Because if something inside of you, when you're starting to, you know, help other people with their mission, you're not going to help them if it's something that goes against your own personal values and how you want to live your life. And so the next thing is try uncomplicating your own life. Open your hand with your time and your talents or your money if you have never tried it. See what God can do with you. But maybe let some room for God to say, this is what I want my life to be about. This is where I want to go. This is how I want to do it. But sometimes we fill our lives so much with stuff that are good things, but when they come all together, they distract us from how we should live our lives. And so finally, be praying for September 22nd. We talked about it last week, but we really believe we're having, it's like a vision Sunday. We're calling it Visibility 2013. That's coming back. And we just want it to be a time where God takes our mission that we have in our lives and then for open life, our values and all that jumbled together and say, well, what's the plan going forward? Where are we going from here? What, like, what's open life going to look like in a year? Like, what is the, what are, we, what are we casting vision for? Where are we going? But just to be excited for what the future holds at open life. So be praying for that. 
So I'm just going to do that. I'm going to pray for those things. And I just really pray for you guys this week. I pray that you guys would catch vision in your own hearts and be able to walk that out. I think it's cool when people have dreams that are maybe a little out of the norm. They have a job, but I also have a dream of this, but I don't know how to do it. Those are stories that need to be told and need to be shared so that you can be encouraged, so that you don't feel like, well, that dream is stupid and I'm never going to accomplish it. No, that dream is awesome and you need to start working towards it. Even if it's going to take you 10 years to do it, we encourage you to share those stories. So God, we just come before you today and we just ask that you would just cast vision in our hearts, God, that you would show us a mission in our lives that you want us to live by and to create a set of values to create the culture to do that in, God. And I thank you for open life. I thank you that it's not just one person standing up on a stage, but it's a group of people that choose to value specific things and go forward, God. So would you just do this in your mighty name, God? Would you empower people this week? Empower them to just trust in you and to follow your mission in a powerful way. We do this in your name. Amen.